and welcome to our latest edition of the Keck CNC podcast, Global Thinking. Today, we are tackling the topic of impact investing, exploring its role and growth as an investment strategy in the wider private investment landscape and how those in the space look to communicate their work, objectives and ambitions. I'm joined by Amy Wang, Head of Credit Strategies, and Nicola Muller, Head of Funds and Co-Investments from Blue Earth Capital, a global independent specialist impact investment firm looking to address the world's most pressing social and environmental challenges by delivering measurable impact alongside attractive and sustainable financial returns. We are also joined by our very own Oliver Buckley, director at Keck CNC and one of our climate transition leads. So Amy, Nicola, firstly, thanks so much for joining me today. Um, as a starter for 10, it would be great if you could both tell us in your own words what impact really means when it comes to impact investing. And what makes a real impact investor? Amy, I'll start with you. Sure. And thanks so much for having me and both Nicholas. Impact investing, I see as the next transition and next stage of just investments more generally. It's clear that there's a lot that's been happening in the world. Population has peaked over 8 billion, many of which live in uh, impoverished conditions. Climate, if we do not do something about Um, The gradual warming of our planet will make the planet inhabitable for all of our generations to come. So from my perspective, and I think the perspective of Blue Earth, it is just how do we align a long-term sustainability goal of ensuring long-term value creation, long-term financial success while incorporating these considerations. Impact investment for me is thinking about the incorporation of positive impact and negative ESG considerations that are inherently intrinsically tied into the business models while still generating an attractive financial return for investors. What about you, Nicholas? Great. I think one thing, when I think about impact investing, is the belief that one, if you want to tackle the very large social environmental issues we're facing today and we're going to face in the next decades to come, no, regulation and governments are not enough. The private sector needs to step in. And it's a belief that actually innovation will help tackle those challenges that everyone, every individual on the planet can help. And that's us helping backing some of the most interesting you know, companies in the world that have tried to find a new way to solve those issues. And that's the key belief that if you do this, you can solve the issues and those companies will strive and you will generate positive financial returns for your investors as well. Fantastic. And so, you know, you, you've talked about um, the mindset of uh, being long-termist in your, in your thinking about being innovative and creating that um, positive impact uh, in defining what a kind of impact investor looks like. But taking a step back, how does this differ from ESG and other sustainable investment strategies that we hear so much about and maybe put in the same bucket and conflated together? You know, when you think about ESG, it's for me, it's really how a company is operating. And that can be any company. It can be an oil and gas company. It can be the telecom sectors. Really, every company has ESG as they have a financial statement. And when you look at ESG, you, can, you look at how they can improve their processes from an environmental perspective, from a social perspective, from a governance perspective. 
it's very important, actually. ESG is important, especially in frontier markets like Africa, where you don't have robust regulatory frameworks and you need to rely on other standards, like the ones put together by the World Bank. Uh, but ESG is not impact. Impact for us is investing in companies where at the core of their value proposition, they are aiming to solve either social or environmental issue. And it needs to be at the heart, heart of, the, of the business. Uh, if, if their revenues grows, if their profits grows, it's because the impact is also growing. It, it cannot be something on the side. Uh, you know, for example, we recently invested in um, tech-enabled, digitally dis- uh, disruptive uh, bank in emerging markets called Time Bank. And, and their core proposition is to offer basic financial services to populations that are today financially excluded. And they're doing it through innovation, they're cheaper, they get better access. And that's the heart of who they are. If they stop serving lower income clients, they don't exist anymore. And that's the type of investments we want to follow. And that's very different from ESG. I don't know, Amy, if you want to add anything to that. I would completely concur with everything that you've said and perhaps add a couple more comments, which is for impact investment, one of the differences is that you're really taking two dimensions that historically people have not considered to be comparable. Impact, so what is the positive additionality? What is the long-term social and environmental outcome and financial objectives? Long-term financial social outcomes typically takes a while to, to generate. Financial results can, you know, there's a fixed time here in one quarter, in one year, et cetera. So how do you knit those two? And it's exactly to Nicholas's point. It's to ensure that we are looking at business models where those two aspects of impact is built in intrinsically to the business model, such that it's basically the DNA of the business. The DNA of the business is such that the positive outcome, social, environmental, et cetera, will be a self-fulfilling prophecy, if you will, as long as the business succeeds on a commercial and a financial perspective. And that um, that that tie together at DNA begs the question oftentimes that people ask about, well, you know, how, how do you make sure that you can maximize for X and maximize for Y? Mm-hmm. And the way that I go about that is you're not really trying to max, you can't maximize on, on both. You really have to think about those two dimensions and how do you optimize for that long-term expansion, that value creation, that financial return. And for us and for Blue Earth, part of this has come down to really being thoughtful and pragmatic about what are the sectors that we invest in and what are the the types of instruments we use to invest in. Uh, And being very careful about that instrument and how ensuring that uh, the focus on essential services, the very basic essential services that everyone needs, there's a way for us to fund both both via equity and credit to ensure that we can provide that deepest impact outcome, but in a way that the instrument is also inherently defensive and strategic, such that investors can come in and expect that we can compete just amongst the likes of uh, traditional financial markets. Thank you. And you you mentioned some... um, you know, how there's maybe some misconceptions about impact only focusing on one area, maybe only on emerging markets and, and certain jurisdictions or only focusing on, cli- on climate, for example. But what are the most common misconceptions or questions uh, and kind of from the skeptics uh, that you get um, uh, around impact investment and the, and the real value it can, it can create? Nicola, maybe I'll start with you. Okay, that sounds good. I think one of the Clearly, one of the first questions we always get is, 
are you sacrificing you know, financial returns because of impact? And, and clearly, we fully disagree with that statement. Uh, and our view is, look, if you're solving a key macro challenge and you're finding an innovative solution to fix it, why will your business grow slower than you know, a competitor that is not solving that issue? And so, for example, on the climate side, if you're providing a solution that is you know, cost neutral to your customers, but generate 90% less emissions, why will you not get market shares? Uh, and so, you know, we think, you know, there's still uh, some, the skeptics, the, the skeptics are always pushing back on the returns. And clearly we're not using some of, you know, we're not leveraging up or investment as much as, you know, other private equity firms. We, we're not doing other things, but our returns are still, should still be top portal. And we think, um, or, or investments should also be more defensible. Like when, when, when your investment is the only financial inclusion solution for your communities in a rural area of Africa, it doesn't really matter that you know, stock markets are crashing. It's still the only solution for those communities and your business will be more resilient. Um, and, and so I think one message we're trying to send now is actually impact investing because it's focusing on essential businesses is defensible in challenging times as you know we are arguably facing today maybe to add on that also that there is a exactly to your point there's usually the question on perceived risk and actual risk uh, and to the point of what is this resilient business model maybe we can knit this together with an example so so one of the investments on our, our credit side um, goes by the name of first finance um, this is a business that operates in cambodia uh, and Cambodia is a place where two out of three people lack access to decent, affordable housing. So First Finance is a business that is the first and only provider of housing finance to low-income households specifically. So over 70% of the people that they work with make less than $700 a month. Typically, when a bank hears this, you you know your client base or these people earn less than $700 a month, they're considered unbankable. But what First Finance has done is figure out a, a very unique way to underwrite and work with these what would be known as thin file or no file clients. And as a result, they're able to offer these long-term residential home loans to largely first-time home buyers. Uh, and the, the loans themselves are also secured by underlying property. So it's in, in essence a, a play on real estate in, in many ways. And, um, and and actually people need their houses. It's critical actually for them to have their houses. So we've known this reverse um, for about a decade now and we've made a, a top of at least excuse me, we've made an investment to them uh, over the last year where we generate a return that is on par with what you'd expect comparable financial institutions to be trading at in Southeast Asia region. Furthermore, we've been also able to ensure that the lockstep of impact and financial return is in there. We actually have a covenant inside the transaction, whereby the, the, the business lowers the percentage and the focus of first-time home buyers, there's actually a charge they, they have to pay because our thesis is what they do best is they do work on these and focus on these underserved populations. And in this business, it's a financial services business. So if you remember what's been, or if you see what's been happening with interest rate environments, if you saw what happened with SVB, all the blowups where people and fintechs and the, uh, VCs were running around um, a little bit <laughs> like head is chicken. <laughs> exactly. Um, first finance, 
no blip. There is no impact on the portfolio quality, no impact on the collections because these borrowers are so dislocated from these broader financial markets. They don't know. They've never heard of SVB. They uh, operate in the small, medium business space that continues to do very, very well, continues to have high, high growth. Yeah. I mean, it, it's all fascinating. And I think this is a really great point, Ollie, to, to, to bring you in. We've heard some... Um, we, we've had some great examples of sort of the the difference between ESG and impact and sort of really where impact can be created and how it can be created. But And we've talked about the kind of similarities maybe in language and the conflation between ESG um, and descriptions of impact investing. But to take it to a comms, comms point, why is this? There is, they seem from our conversation and what Amy and Nicola are saying that there is vastly different. Why is there so much crossover and why 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 are we seeing this um and what problems is it creating when we're talking about things that now i've had this conversation it, it seems like they couldn't be farther farther um, apart from each other yeah you are absolutely right because it is our job as communicators to convey these stories to uh, different audiences, uh, in particular journalists, and so th for them to understand clearly what it is we are communicating to them, uh, and and look, there's there's a lot of crossover between impact investing and, and uh, ESG investing and sustainable investing or ethical investing and even philanthropy, uh, because when people talk about these investment approaches, it's it's neat and tidy to to put them into boxes and this fits in this box here and this fits in that box there you know it's how it's how people's minds work um and added to that you know in the last year we've had a lot of uh, there's been an awful lot of talk and debate and critique about esg investing that particular phrase esg investing and it's really become a bit of a political football um, in in u.s politics and and, and uh, to to a certain extent elsewhere but the important thing is the the to say is that there are there are gray areas and what what is impact investing to one journalist might be something totally different to another journalist um, and that's why with impact investing you have to really start at first principles and to not assume that the person you're talking to understands uh, what in, what impact investing is and whether that's a journalist or a trade body or a supplier or someone you meet a, at an event it's your role uh, and our role as communicators to, to really explain it from the very, very ground up. Then if you're lucky enough to be talking to someone knowledgeable, knowledgeable about it, then you can move the conversation into slightly different areas. So for example, uh, is the approach of a smaller uh, impact focused investor different to that of um, you know, a major global investor where impact is just one of many different strategies uh, so it's um, so it's a much smaller piece of their pie. You'd communicate these differently, and that's really what our job is, and that's what we help to do. So just piggying back, so just piggybacking off what you've said, do you think the market needs educating in the differences between the um, these sets of strategies? And this is an open question, Oliver, Amy, Nicola, please chime in. Or do we need a different? A different vocabulary when we're talking about impact investing and and maybe nicola amy to bring this to life you know what are you 
what are you saying and to your key stakeholders and what you know how are you convincing them without just looking at financials on on a spreadsheet that you're actually making a difference maybe i'll start just because it's um i i hear you absolutely it is such a challenge to be able to communicate uh, what impact investing is because really it's a very nascent industry. Uh, there's impact um, and sustainable investments, responsible investments, all these terms have only been around for, for about a decade. There have been some sectors within there where there's been quite a bit of work done, but as a whole in this entire traction towards moving towards a sustainable future via a for-profit business model is pretty new. So I think we should be kind to ourselves and say that we, we are all working on this and it's not that it's a problem per se, but that we're, we're just at the forefront of making this advancement. And communication, I think, has a very key part to play in education of what impact investment is. Um, if you look back to a, uh, a chart or a spectrum that had been put out by the Impact Management Project, which outlined what the range of the financial products from financial to responsible to sustainable to impact to philanthropy, there's definitions built into that. But even that is, is, is quite fuzzy as to how there can be overlap between those definitions. And the only way in my mind to be able to get around that is by increasing standards that are aligned with regulations of a, of a solid enough governing body and to be able to outline, to compare what impact means on a more apples to apples basis. Because right now, and one of my biggest um, pet peeves of the market is when you take a look at all the impact reports that every uh, investor releases out there and you add up all the numbers for CO2 emissions saved or the lives touched, that's larger than the world's population and climate change has been solved. So without having a common ability to compare what is actual impact, um, better for worse, um, which is not an easy thing to solve, of course, it, it's going to be, it's going to remain a bit tricky, I think. And Nicola, it'd be, it'd be great um, to hear uh, your thoughts on like, you know, what are, what are you doing when you're having these conversations Um to, to kind of convince your stakeholders you are making a difference or or when when you're speaking to a new pool of investors you know what are you saying them to really bring bring them along the journey that you know um it's not the fiduciary duty is not just about your returns to your stakeholders it's about this wider world real impact that you can have no look i think it's key and if you look at the stakeholders you know they came first for the impact and you know, it's a belief that you need to um, generate market returns to keep your investors and grow that asset class. But if, if we look at our LP base, the first question they ask when they meet us, you know, annually or more regularly is, okay, what impact have you achieved this year? And our ability to articulate it properly is extremely important. Uh, and it's why, you know, we are always challenging ourselves uh, on our impact methodology, how we report it. We, you know, we get third party verified. We always try to keep best in class practices. You know, we work with people like um, um, Bluemark and Tide to ensure we, we're doing the, the right things. And, and for us, it's more important, you know, that's our reputation. That's the most important thing we have. I think my investors will, you know, they will not, you know, if I over report or impact, if I do some greenwashing, 
you know, that's all repetitions on the line. That's the most important. So we, Bluers, we've always been very honest about our impact and we, we rather report smaller numbers, uh, but, you know, they can be verified. People can understand how we calculated them. Uh, it, it's very, very key. Now, once you've done all of those numbers, it's great, but you still lack, I think, that uh, connection with the beneficiaries we're touching. And, you know, for example, last year, Blue Earth financed 300,000 students uh, over the world. Great. But I think it's important also to get the story of one specific student. Mm. How did that change that family life? How did they enable them to get, you know, a better job? and to impact the trajectory of that family for generations to come. And, and we're always trying to interview the beneficiaries, get in touch with them, meet them, uh, and, and get the story out. Because at the end of the day, that connection is also very important. So if you look at our impact reports, all of the numbers are there. But you can also feel, you know, touch, if you want, uh, some of the people we've, we've impacted on the ground. Yeah, it's really humanizing what you're doing and pinning it down to its barest bones of actually, you know, you have people sitting in, in New York and across the globe, um, you know, looking at where best to allocate capital for returns and impact and actually paring it down to at its most basic human level, the impact that it's having. Um, you mentioned, Nicola, greenwashing um and uh, that is a whole nother kettle of fish so i'm not going to open that can of worms on this podcast i'm sure we could we could have you back to talk about that if, if you wanted but with that in mind and the um your kind of pursuit to be best in class with your reporting and constantly re reviewing the practices how do um both of you and, and Ollie, it would be great to get your thoughts here as well um, as an advisor. But how does the industry get better in communicating its role in addressing these social challenges? We've talked about humanizing it, but are there any other ways that we could, um, that the industry could talk about this to better educate, to really underscore the role that you have within the financial system, as well as um, the impact that you're creating? And maybe, and maybe, sorry to butt in again. Maybe it's like a top tips, or if there's if there's one thing that you would you would sort of give as your piece of advice, it'd be it'd be really um, really great to hear that from you guys. No, look, I think genuinely when we look at the industry, at you know other participants, we don't see us as competitors, and what we see is the industry coming together more and more to get standards. Uh, you know, we see the impact management projects, we see the GN conference. All of those uh, events, all of those discussions are bringing us together to really get better. And, and we have to accept that, you know, today nothing is perfect, but we're advancing towards better and better practices. Um, and I think that, you know, the investors are also getting getting educated. So now when we have, you know, we, we contacted by family offices, foundations, maybe smaller institutional investors, large insurance companies, they came to us, they've already researched impact investing, and they, they're much more educated than they were 10, 15 years ago. So we can go into more technical discussions about how we do things, how we view, how we differentiate ourselves, how we view the world, how we address challenge. And, and, and so I think we're getting there, but it's, you know, it, it's going to take time. Yeah. And, and as an, as an advisor, if you, um, you know, when we're talking to 
journalists or we're we're reviewing the the media landscape, I think it's important to bear in mind that the worldwide impact an investing market now is over one trillion dollars. Um, so that's the figure from from Gin, the Global Impact Investor Network, one of the, the central bodies for impact investing. Um, and then, if you add to that the vast allocations of capital that are being committed or that are understood need to be committed to reach the UN Sustainable Development Goals uh, by 2030, and then also to reach net zero by by 2050. It's only natural that this topic of impact investing is getting more and more column inches. You know that that you know, journalists often follow the stories of which which directions the money flows are going, uh, and so what we see both in specialist trade media, but also mainstream media and international media, uh, is more and more of a focus on this. And also journalists being really really savvy about this. You know they really understand the topic um, and the level of knowledge over recent years has really increased, is really, you know, it's, it's quite impressive. So you need to tell a clear story because the journalists are going to understand it. Um, but uh, like all types of investment, you, the, the story you tell has to have something, has to have something special about it or something particular about it because that's what's going to cut through. Uh, so that could be a particular product or service that, that your investment, your impact investment will, will make or, or will engender. Um, it might be the way that you've set up your remuneration. You know, this is this is an increasingly covered topic where um, um, the, the remuneration of, of in investors is, is very strongly linked to the non-financial KPIs that they've set. Um, it might be the backstory of the team. So, uh, is the team, uh, you know, young and idealistic, or, or more mature, or, or have they come from a different industry, or, or have they moved from a big investment house to a much smaller uh, investment house because that's where their personal motivations are better suited, or um, are investments focused on a specific? country that doesn't get much attention otherwise and then you can tell a story that's much more compelling because no one else is you know these are these are actually quite core uh, core principles of um of pr which, which apply here it's a busy environment it's hard to get to achieve cut through journalists are very savvy uh so demonstrating how your approach is unique and interesting that's one of the key challenges to overcome and amy anything to add there I mean, is there? Um, maybe just taking a, a step back a bit, thinking about this as a, what are we trying to solve for? There are kind of two types of problems a bit. There's the will, like there's a lack of will about solving a problem, and there's the way, like lack, like we don't know what to do. And in this case, I think we, everyone on this podcast, at least we have hopefully all drunk the Kool-Aid, and you believe that there's a will to try to move ahead. Now the question is the way. And that's what we're debating about. And, and the way here is no one, I, I am not um, brave enough to say that I'm going to solve and we as a firm independently are going to solve and create a solution for the way. This is going to take uh, iteration. It's going to take collaboration. And luckily, as we are impact investors, we're all looking for that positive outcomes. So we should be able to come, come together. And the only thing I would remind everyone is don't let perfect uh, get in the way of, of good because... Progress 
needs to happen. We will not get it right all the time, but we need to be genuine about admitting to when we have had failure and be willing to face that in order to make sure we can evolve and improve on on this continued and hopeful collaborative journey. Well, thank you. Thank you again to our guests, Amy Wang and Nicola Muller from Blue Earth Capital, and of course, to our very own Oliver Buckley. I think it's clear from our discussion today that communicating impact in private investment is crucial for attracting investors, demonstrating accountability and aligning with socially responsible investment goals. Communication plays a vital role in educating all key stakeholders, ensuring that investors, journalists and the market understands the impact model and how it differs from other ESG or sustainable investment models. And that positive impact, not only from a societal perspective, but also from a risk and return perspective, is truly understood. With an emerging investment thesis like impact investing, there will always be those who question from how it differs from other strategies in the market and question the impacts achieved. Clearly and consistently communicating not only about the impact metrics, achievements and challenges, but also humanizing the story and pinning it down to the real world impact is a critical component of building not only a reputation in the market, but also increasing interest and support for the whole model. Thank you again and join us next time.